Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the ISI Life podcast. I'm excited today to introduce you to one of our most recent ISI attendees, Ben Pelicani. Ben is a husband. He's also a father of two little girls, and he's one of the top golf instructors in the state of Tennessee. This is an amazing conversation as Ben has an engineering mindset. He brings that kind of process thinking to all the things he does, which kind of uh, is interesting because we talk about goals and he does not love the word goals. So I think you'll find that part of the conversation very interesting and helpful to you on your journey as well. And really this conversation is his perspective on a takeaway as a recent attendee as we've launched Nashville um, and his uh, what he's learned as a man who's 37 with two little girls and juggling a business and trying to be the best husband and best father he's, as he can be. So I think you'll find this conversation very helpful to you on your journey. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the talk. Well, Ben, thank you so much for, for taking the time and, and joining me here on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. I heard the name and as a former um, golf enthusiast and current golf enthusiast, I'm excited to connect with you and give a lot of cool lessons that you can weave into, you know, our conversation here. But, um, you know, for, for those of us that don't really know you, um, maybe give us a little background on you and your family career and kind of the 5,000 foot view. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I'm, I'm currently happily married, uh, to my wife for seven years. Now we have two little ones. Kendall Olivia is going to be six years old here in a couple of days. And, and Lily Kate is three and a half. So I got a kindergartner and a pre k -er, and we moved to Nashville seven years ago. I spent three years in Florida. That's where I met my wife, Amber. Uh, I was the director of a full-time enrollment program for a gentleman named Mike Bender, uh, where the kids would come to school or go to school half a day and then come to us for four hours a day, five days a week for nine months. I uh, got to do that uh, for three years for Mike. Before that was a golf instructor in Maryland. Uh, when uh, That was after I tried playing for a short period of time where I got my butt whooped. <laughs> uh, and, and donated to a bunch of guys uh, that I now watch on TV uh, or try to coach or teach myself. But I've been a golf instructor for about 13 years. I've been a, a college coach for five of those 13. Uh, was born up in the great state of Maine. Um, so I've been kind of up and down the East Coast playing golf a lot in my life. And uh, currently I'm, I'm a full-time golf instructor and I am the director of golf for a private uh, Christian school here in town called Lipscomb Academy, uh, where I oversee the high school program and also the, the player development side for middle school. And we also weave golf into the elementary school as well. So been fortunate enough to be a part of that program now for two years. And we kind of look forward to continuing to develop things at Lipscomb Academy. Is awesome. That's very cool, man. It seems like um, you know golf has been a blessing in your life. Meeting your wife and and now you know being able to integrate you know some of your beliefs into your your work um, seems like such a blessing to integrate all those things. It it is, and and you know it takes on different uh, views at different points. And so, 
when I was, when I was down working for Mike, uh, you know, faith is a big part of Mike's life and is integrated into, uh, a lot of his talks with, with, with a bunch of his players, but with the full-time program that we had, we had a lot of international kids and that opened some doors up to have some interesting talks. Um, but it wasn't like a, a faith-based program. We, we couldn't kind of, uh, use that as the spearhead. And so when we made the transition to Nashville, I actually came up here to be a college coach, to be surrounded by coaches at in Lipscomb Academy, where I, where I currently coach has a university that's associated with it as well, Lipscomb mm-hmm. university. And so I came up here and I, I coached at Lipscomb university where I got to see firsthand how faith can be directly integrated into everything we do. And I had some great, uh, coaches to kind of uh, model off of while I was here. Um, the head coach here that, that I worked under Will Brewer was great at that. Um, as well as, as watching Casey Alexander, who was our basketball coach. I thought he did a, a really good job of that. And, and coach forehand, the, the baseball coach as well. Um, I was able to see how that was integrated at a high level and be excellent at your sport. And then when I stepped away for a year, uh, to focus just on golf instruction. I think that just kind of continued to resonate kind of how I, how I worked into my, uh, individual instruction. And then obviously, uh, jumping back in into the high school level where I could kind of take on the, the leadership role of that. Uh, it's been fun to see. It's not something that I grew up around. Uh, I was a public school kid. I was, I was from the Northeast. So, um, as I always like to say, faith in the Northeast, a lot of times is a, is a singular journey. It's not a community journey. Hmm. And so being able to see that played out from a community perspective, uh, I think really helped shape me, uh, and, and helped me kind of progress along in my faith. And then, um, again, I, I just think Nashville is such a unique area where you're able to stand up, uh, and, and speak into your faith, probably with a little less fear of persecution. And so I think that's been good for me um, to then yeah. be able to kind of play that out in the rest of my life. That's awesome. Well, I mean, that's exactly what, you know, what we're trying to do with ISI is integrate our faith and not have it compartmentalized into, uh, you know, a Sunday, you know, nine to 11, but really just kind of with us at all times. And, um, can kind of inspire us and make us the best, you know, fathers and best in our work and, and those that we influence. So that's awesome. Well, how, speaking of, um, you know, ISI and I, I, just for the record, I feel like, uh, anyone that's listening, um, is going to just guarantee to be automatically dropped, you know, two or three sh- uh, shots on their handicap. Is that, <laughs> is that a guarantee for that? <laughs> well, I don't know. It, it depends on how, how many golf analogies you make along the way. Which, knowing me, there probably will be a couple, but, um... well, it's a benefit benefit to listening, but, uh, <laughs> well, for in regards to ISA, I know it's been, you know, instrumental for you and you've been a big part of it, uh, of, of, you know, the, the group that we're, that is growing strong there in Nashville, but how did, tell me about how you got connected to ISI in the first place. Yeah. So, so Al Sherbaum, who, who kind of took over the leads down here in Nashville. Uh, I knew him from his work with FCA, but I also knew him that I worked with his son uh, directly on, on helping shape his golf game. So I was his golf instructor and we got to know uh, Al through that. And, and Al came to me um one day and said, Hey, we're, we're kind of starting this thing up. And, um, this is kind of the format and it just kind of was the perfect timing in my life. Uh, 
I, one of the things that I've, I've kind of echoed, um, along the way is one of the hardest things I think is when you're a middle, a middle thirties dad (laughs) in which you're trying to grow your career, that it is really hard to, to have a lot of other things in your life. Like if you want to be an excellent dad and you want to grow this business and there's just not a lot of time for other things. Mm -hmm. And so I think, uh, one of the comments I was, I was talking to one of my friends at church, which again, it was, we see him at church. And then that was the only time I'd see him all week. One of the convert, how the, how the conversation kind of led to was if you had to get married now, who would actually be in your wedding? And my answer was, I don't know if I know enough people like that I could actually say would be in my wedding. And so it was kind of like the, the need and desire to say, look, I have to, I, I have to intentionally reconnect. And, um, because I am self-employed and because my brand right now is currently one that there, there isn't a lot of other accountability other than my wife in my life. I, I'm an independent contractor. Um, I have my students. I, most of my, my interactions other than the, what I do with my high school team is literally Mm one-on-one. Um, no one says I have to go into work that day. No one has to say, you know, it's, so it's, it's, I'm, I'm very isolated in my world. And if I allowed that to be, to kind of close into that bubble of just my work in my family, that I don't think I would have been providing the best for my family. I don't think I would have been my best self for my wife, my best self for my kids. And mm-hmm. so it was just really good timing. Um, yeah. It's an awesome I, real, I, realization. I, yeah. I, I kind of knew I needed to be intentional in that area. And it, I think it's a little intimidating as well coming into the Nashville market where there's so many established um, faith communities that being the new guy always, or being around guys who go, yeah, I've been a part of this, you know, since I was in high school, or I've been a part of this. It, it was kind of nice to be on the forefront of something mm-hmm. in this community. Cause it's, it's kind of hard to be. And so it was nice to be like learning through something with a group of guys. And how does this play out for us here in Nashville? And um, so I, I think that attracted to me a little um, as well. And then, and then, like I said, I, I, I respect the heck out of Al and, um, he, you know, I, I wanted to kind of walk into it a little bit, uh, with him and, yeah. and the next thing, you know, I go to the first retreat and I go, this is exactly what I needed. Um, yeah. so it, it, you know, a lot, you know, God puts a lot of things in your, in your place for you. And, and I kind of think that was a God thing for me. No, absolutely. That's one of the things that's always, um, been not, not I mean very interesting and awesome and very powerful about the the community and the friendships and the relationships they could develop because like you said I mean I'm in a similar boat you know mid 30s late 30s you know three kids um, like you said there's not a lot of room for you know having these you know <laughs> dude weekends or whatever where you're gonna like you know hang out and really develop meaning, you know meaningful relationships um, and so that was one of the formats it was like you know we put the retreats together it was 
we're gonna have great content, great teaching. And really what came out of it, even maybe more importantly, or just as importantly than that is, you know, the relationships and the idea of learning together and being able to kind of wrestle with topics and share openly and learn from one another. And that fellowship in, in that community is, I think it's a really powerful way to learn. And like you said, keep ourselves in check. Um, when you have a high degree of autonomy, it's easy to, you know, make mistakes or it's easy to get off the guardrail. So, um, yeah, that's awesome that, that you experience that as well. And I think that's one of the most, most powerful parts about, you know, about the retreats. So that's really cool. Um, well with, you know, getting more into like the actual, you know, outside of the fellowship and what you're learning there, what have been some of your, um, you know, major, major takeaways, you know, from experiencing a couple of retreats now? Yeah, I, I think the first thing for me in, in this, I think part of the reason this, this kind of resonated with me is, so I was, I always joke. I, I had, I was a golfer who happened to get a mechanical engineering degree while I was at school. <laughs> uh, I much rather have been playing golf, uh, than doing anything. And the only reason I was a mechanical engineer is I heard you only had to take one English class. And so I was like, I'm in, this is my major. <laughs> um, so that, but that sort of logical system to me works well. Uh-huh. And then it, it fits kind of how I go about my teaching. And so therefore my job, um, it kind of fit well with how to kind of, and, and compartmentalize is the wrong word, but put like umbrellas over things. And then it took me a while to kind of figure out how that was going to play out in my life. So I know my first retreat, I go, I see these five F's and you know, how, how instead of putting faith as a piece of the puzzle, we're going to put it in the middle and it's going to resonate out in these four kind of main categories. And, you know, I, you know, that kind of clicked with me. I said, okay, I, I, I got that. That, that, that kind of is, is kind of what I'm thinking as well. And then I, I look at it, uh, uh, a step further and, and we start talking about goals and that, that kind of lost me for a second. Cause, um, I, I don't like goals. I don't like that word very much. And so I kind of had to work through that word a little bit um, because to me, goals were way too uh, driven by other people. I don't like moving bars. Mm. Um, it's it's kind of how I teach in golf. Like there's got to be a standard that we live to. Um, and so that standard is going to be what we're always striving for. It doesn't mean we're always going to get there, but there's got to be some, there's got to be some mark that we just go, look, this is where we're going to try to get to all the time. And so like, to me, goals were always these moving targets and I hated moving targets. And so I kind of read through it. I was like, okay, okay. At least we got a mission statement. Like I can, I can dive into that. Right. I, I can hold on to the mission statement idea. And so I'm working through this a little bit and um, I'm going, all right, how do we implement this? And like the daily habit thing resonated with me. I was like, okay, this is, this sounds exactly like how I teach golf. And so there's areas in our life or in, in our golf game. And those areas of the game are, are going to play itself out in, uh, you know, these in, in each area has different things we're going to hold ourselves accountable to. And then we got to live those out by these kind of daily habits or, you know, in my golf world, it'd be how we practice. Right. Uh-huh. And so that it, it resonated with me really well. And then we were really fortunate. The speakers we have here in Nashville are just <laughs> amazing guys. That's and, awesome. so, and so it, that also 
worked really well. But then there was like a, as I like to say, there's like a 90 days in which I struggled with a lot of that after the first retreat where <laughs> I just didn't know how to, how to play it out in my own life. And like the retreat I needed, that's exactly what I needed. Um, and, and then just, I think the struggle through the first kind of quarter of how this plays out for me personally, um, was, was probably harder than I anticipated. And then, um, but at the same point, like it was, it was what I needed. It yeah. was asking yeah. hard questions. It was integrating, um, I think my wife into things that I hadn't even thought about. Like I had processed through, but I hadn't processed through with her, mm -hmm. um, which held me some, you know, some accountability to those things. And so, yeah, I, I you know, I, I think that first retreat, I, I took away with going, man, this is great. And then as I lived it out for 90 days, in a sense, I went, man, this is, this is really going to be hard. And, um, like the next retreat just came at like the perfect time for me. Cause it was, I needed that kind of jump start again, this kind of, Hey, um, you can do this. And here's a couple other ways and lenses to look through some things. And so, um, yeah, it's, it, I probably went down a rabbit trail there, but no, I think um, you, you touched on some powerful things that I want, if you're okay, I want to circle back to, cause, um, I think having a concrete example, you know, you touched on, um, you know, not liking the word goals. And we do talk a lot about goals and, you know, I, I think you, you were talking more about, you know, like you said the word standard and maybe you mean like process and, you know, how you go about getting better and how you teach, but I don't know if you can give us an example there. I think, you know, a, a tangible example of, you know, maybe where goal setting is, maybe not how you would, uh, approach it maybe with one of your students, but maybe a different way in which you do approach it. And, and, and then we could tie that into, you know, how you've gone about that, that process in terms of the, the ISI wheel and the other Fs. And then, yeah, I also so, to, so, yeah. so a good example would be if some, you know, let's, you know, the next major is the master. Someone says, my goal is to win the masters. Okay. Well, if I said, Hey, you go out and you shoot, well, let's take the one in November you go out and you shoot 19 under at Augusta. How do you feel? Great, but you lost. Well, but I played great. Okay. So, but you didn't meet your goal. Your goals a lot of times have association with hmm. what other people have influence on. And so things like, I don't, and I don't, maybe this is a, a bad example, but you know, let's take, let's take the fitness example. Okay. Um, if someone said, I want to win a marathon. Well, I think that's a bad goal. I think if your if your goal was, I believe I can run a sub four hour marathon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what are that? That's holding yourself to a standard, but what if you get there and you don't run a sub four hour marathon are you defeated how do you how does that make you feel mm -hmm. whereas if you said i'm going to participate in this marathon and my benchmark is four hours like that's i would i'm, I'm going to train and i'm going to do everything i can to see if i can run a sub four hour marathon yeah and then when you when you do it right and i always say like in golf when you play a tournament the point of the tournament is not win or lose. 
The point of the tournament is to test yourself to see what you need to get better at. You can win and learn. You can lose and learn. But if all you're going there to do is to win, then, you know, there's 156 players teeing up in a PGA Tour event this week. There's 155 of them are going to lose. So, you know, the, the, you're a Hall of Famer in, in golf if you win 5% of the time. So that the word gold to me has too much influence on other people. And, and if you want to take it away from a game or, or competition, yeah. um, I use the example of if someone came to me and said, I want to be a doctor. And I would say, well, that's a bad yeah. goal because a college has to admit you you have to um, get signed off on by different clinicals. There are different boards that have to approve you. There are a lot of people that can keep you from becoming a doctor. It doesn't sure. matter what you do, but like, but if you're, if you said, I want to, I want to help the sick and needy in uh, one Avenue. I could do that is by being a doctor. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go down that Avenue, but what if you never become a doctor? Can you still help the sick and needy? Well, absolutely. So to me, using the word goal confines you. And, um, if you get there, then what we're just going to make another one. Like, so am I always going to lose 99.9% .9 of the time? And then maybe, or can I just say, okay, today I'm going to live and learn and get better today. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I go about helping my students in the, in, in my, in their golf games is, the, the two questions we always ask and that after their first lesson is the first one's always, what did we learn since the last time I've seen you? What, what have we learned? Good, bad. Yeah. And I like, I just want to know what would you learn? Yeah. Um, when we practice and do drills, the point of those drills is, is those are providing you opportunities to learn and grow. And so to me, I had to take the framework and, and kind of mold it into some of the things that I worked in, in work for me. And so daily habits, that was an easy one. I, yeah. I, that, that was a simple one. That's my process, right? Like, okay, what's the big picture and okay. What are the pieces that get there? And then what do we have to do daily to get there? Okay. I, I got that. Then it's okay. Let's, let's create some benchmarks of what we feel is that, that are ways of you of of saying you all those daily habits are producing what we want to see and so i think for me and i i kind of eliminated the word goals and said okay what are my standards what, what am i going to live to uh with our standards and so like in say we took the finance world right mm -hmm. one of our standards that my wife and i want to live with is we want to have the financial flexibility where if someone is in need, we have the resources to be able to assist them. So mm, be awesome. it um, taking someone out to lunch, uh, bringing somebody flowers, taking a meal to somebody, we want to have that financial uh, ability. So what are one of the ways we do that? Well, let's look at, uh, we don't want to be what we call house poor. We don't want to buy a house where the mortgage puts stresses on us that doesn't allow us to be able to be financially flexible, to be able to help people. Right. So right. I think those are, um, to us, like, to me, that's a standard that I'm living to is, do I have the financial flexibility currently to do the things I want to? Okay. Now to do that, here are the daily habits I have to install to be able to have that standard that we want to live to. And so 
it's not, it's not like a concrete number. It's not like we want to have $20,000 in our bank. It's, it's, we, we want to have that. And and that's going to play out very differently in different seasons of our lives. Um, and, and I think that is, so, so I've taken what I think is just really well done and how it's all organized and just kind of put my own slant on it to help me process through, you know, to, to kind of resonate more with, with how I live out, you know, my job and, and my well, life. Yeah. And then, you know, the, uh, engineering, you know, in a process approach and the teaching, you know, that you do with your students, you know, everybody's going to internalize this differently. And I think that's one of the extremely powerful things of learning within community. You know, it's one thing to listen to a book or listen to a podcast or whatever on your own. But when you, when you can hear, you know, Ben talk about it with, you know, Tyler and you guys, different people and different approaches, different personality types. Um, you, you know, you can take little nuggets from different people and kind of make it your own. Um, I think that's the, that's an awesome, awesome thing that happens in when you're learning in, in a community like that, where everybody's after, you know, constant improvement, but in how you go about it, it's obviously going to be different based on you and your life and your unique situation. So I appreciate you breaking that down. Um, the other question you, you mentioned something also that was really powerful is that you said you, you process some of this with your wife afterwards. I think you said that. Um, yeah. so I was just curious, you know, maybe what that looked like. Cause I think that could be really helpful to some guys. Yeah. So I will be the first one to tell you that, uh, that is still a big, part of our marriage that I'm trying to get better at. Uh, and, and to give kind of the 30 second backstory. So when you're, so I grew up in the Northeast, I was born, born in Maine and, uh, some point in elementary school, we, we moved down to Maryland, but I would consider it still part of that of the Northeast. Um, I, I grew up in a, in a, in a Catholic home and, uh, though my, my mom wasn't, so we ended up going to, to a Methodist church growing up, but yeah, that it was always faith was something that you didn't share. It was kind of your own thing. Uh, my parents were very proud of my faith. They supported it. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of like, Hey, let's lay hands on them. Let's circle around and pray for them. Um, I said the same prayer at dinner every night. We said the same prayer when we went to bed every night. Um, it was very mechanical in, Mm. in some regards. Um, I get down to Florida, I meet my wife. Uh, we go to a very different type of church down there. Um, we have a great group of friends that really started challenging some of that. I, I remember sitting in, uh, we were still dating at the time and the word grace came up and I was like, yeah, that word just never really meant a lot to me. And they all like looked at me and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. We didn't use that word. Like, I don't know what that really means. And so it, it was, it was a very, um, I struggle is a bad word. It, it was a, a very hard thing for me to start integrating faith together it was one because it was so foreign but now being thrown into husband wife relationship um was hard for me and because it wasn't it was i've never seen it modeled um openly talking about your faith uh was just a hard concept to me and so live you know we we get married and 
we joke a little bit about this though. This, this, we probably need to stop joking because it's continuing. Um, but every year of our life that we've been married, so the seven years, we've had one of the major stressors in our family. So we've either moved, changed careers, had a baby, or uh, a major family member passed away. So every year of our life, that has happened as a married couple. And so when you take major stressors and you add uh, someone who struggles to communicate in me, that there is, I didn't even know how to start. I knew I needed to. And then I would get stressed out because I got to talk. I'm kind of intimidated by talking about this because I, I, you know, my wife has, has she seen it displayed? And so am I going to get this wrong? And so there's a lot of internal battle. And so I ended up just not doing anything because that was, it's kind of my personality. I was like, well, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. I'll just wait. So I think coming home and having time to process it on my own is what I needed. So being away at the retreat, hearing it, and then having our alone time where I was able to kind of process it and saying, Hey, I want to have this conversation. And I at least have a way of starting this conversation was kind of what I need. It was the kickstart that I needed in something that was really hard and uncomfortable for me. And we are still doing that. We're still working through that. I mean, it was November was our first retreat last year. So, I mean, we're only talking four or five months into this, Yeah. but I think at least now I have verbiage to be able to communicate with her of here's what I'm thinking. Here's the bucket, the umbrella that my brain's currently in. Let me walk you through how I'm seeing this. Now you tell me how you live through that. Now let's come together and figure out how we live through that. And I think being able to write it out, I I think one of the greatest takeaways I had from the first retreat was forcing us to write it out. And that really helped me to say, no, 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 not just think about, no, write it out. And, mm-hmm. and, and even if I, and again, maybe cause this is the, the golf coach in me, I wasn't worried that I was writing down the wrong thing. It was just writing it down because I'm good with, Hey, we're going to learn and grow, learn and grow, learn and grow. And just in, just like in golf, this might be the greatest drill for this player, but it might not be for that player. So just because we're starting this in this fashion, like we'll figure out what, our great drill is sure but i gotta have something to base that on right yeah yeah and in a little bit of it is just putting some framework you know it's kind of like in golf like stats are a tool we have to measure is what we're doing improving what we want to improve so just putting names to some of this stuff allowed me to say okay i know what this statistic is now what are, what are the things we can do to, to better that statistic, not measure that statistic against Tiger Woods or the Robinsons down the, down the road. This is where we currently are good, bad, or indifferent. This is where we are yeah. now let's start the process of learning and grow And that again, because that wor- that system works in my head so well for my work and in, in how I go about my job, 
I think at least getting my brain wrapped around that. And again, that took a while Mm -hmm. um, to do. And it's not, it's, and I think the other thing that, that allowed me to be um, more open to like conversations is I was, I was no longer scared as much because I, I at least had a way of saying, okay, here's, here's our, here's where our statistic is, right? Here's our benchmark. Here's what we want to live to. How do, how do we bridge that gap now? Because, you know, a lot of times I wasn't even setting those benchmarks to start with. And so, and then being able to talk those through with my wife in a way where I was coming with it with a formulated plan and my wife works well. So she's the opposite of me. She's very much a, um, goal, check the boxer, which is kind of funny, but, um, you tell her, Hey, this is what we want to get to. She goes, great. I'm there. I'm in. Um, so I think it was how to, how to bring two worlds together and start figuring out some verbiage to talk through it. And, but it was a very scary thing for me early on. I would say there's still like, you know, I think if you looked at the old Apple watch, like the the heart rate still probably spikes a little bit more than it (laughs) needs to when we have these conversations, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Like it's, it's kind of like why we play golf tournaments, right? It's to test ourselves. Like, Hey, let's see where we are. Like, let's have a hard conversation. Mm -hmm. And then, but it's not, it's not, it's not right or wrong now. It's okay. Now we can, okay. We tried this now yeah are we gonna are we gonna keep this going do we like this no okay then then let's you know what do you think about this i did and i'm not a big you know so it's just ways to be able to communicate better and that was not something i was very good at partly because it it wasn't openly displayed in my in my family now i i have two great parents and they might have been having those questions behind closed doors um to my knowledge but, um, they've done well financially and they've done, you know, they've done, they've done some things that I look back on and I go, man, that was really good. You guys had to be intentional about that, but it wasn't, it wasn't broadcasted out or shared with us. And so it was hard to then be able to implement that, you know, into my family, uh, yeah. when we got married. Totally. No, I, I appreciate you, you know, sharing that. Cause I think, um, a lot of us, you come, you know, anytime you go to a retreat, you come home kind of enthused on fire and, and how you, how you break that down and integrate that into your family is really important. Um, you know, getting, getting your wife, you know,'s take on things and how, you know, what that means for any, any tweaks you may want to make, you know, talking through how you guys did that is, is awesome. Um, I appreciate that. It's really cool. So for, you know, some of the, someone may be listening to this that's in Nashville or in Cleveland or Columbus, maybe thinking about, thinking about attending a retreat. Um, what advice might you have for somebody who's, who's thinking about it? I I think my first bit of advice is that I think you, uh, need to come with a thought that there is going to be some really good information thrown at you Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to, no one's giving you the answer, right? Like, the thing that I appreciate the, the most, or one of the things I appreciate very much about kind of these, these retreats is it gives you food for thought and kind of gives you a roadmap, but it gives you the ability to say, hey, here, here's a structure that you might need, or you might have things already in place, and that would fit great here, but how does that look over here as well? 
And I think that if you come with that idea of, um, I'm, I have an opportunity that if, and, and this is kind of my view of this is that if you want to be a better husband, a better father, a better friend, uh, you have to be willing to be your, your best self. And I think taking time to be your best self is something that guys don't do really well at. And so I think making a priority to be your best self is the thing that will better you as a husband, father, friend, community leader. And I think guys who get that sooner than later, that mentality, um, it's not a selfish mentality. It's, it's a, it's a mentality that says, if I'm my best self, then I can then be these great things. And I, 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 I truly believe that's, you know, it's biblically written in scripture where, where, you know, if you look at Jesus, he, he spent time, right. If we're called to be Jesus here on earth, right. Yeah. Then, uh, and mostly as, as a husband, like you are literally called in Ephesians, right. To, to, to be like Jesus for your wife. Jesus would go away and pray by himself. Like he had these periods where he would go away and better himself before he stepped into really hard things or after really hard things, he would go better himself to be, you know, to be better prepared. And, and yeah. it sounds like you're downplaying the greatness of Jesus, which I shouldn't be doing, but he, it was a, it was a part of his life, a, a part of his ministry, the way he lived out was mm. taking this time. And I think we want to see through that or, or skip over that as, as guys that we don't, we see all this other stuff and, and that makes a lot more sense to us, but you want me to do, you want me to do what? Like it doesn't, it doesn't always fit right. The narrative that, that we want to play out. And so I don't know, it, it, it happens so much. It's, it's noted so often. It can't just be by accident. Um, so I, I think, I think that's part of what the retreats are. And, and I think if, if you look at that and say, I want to be my best self so I can then be the best, you know, community leader, you know, go, go, go on that list. Yeah. Then that is that that's what these retreats are for. And, um, again, I, I, I think as, a about to be 37 year old dad of two who has his own small business, uh, like I, I need that. I, I need to take that personal time, but I also need to take that community time to say, okay, like I'm not the only one out there. I got, I got a group of guys around me, um, that, that I can call upon if, if needed, uh, to pick awesome. me up or, you know, if, if you see something, something going on that you can pick them up. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. I think we might need to capture some of those, uh, those sound bites for anyone that's thinking about it. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with, um, you know, the healthy rhythms of retreating from the day to day, you know, being able to kind of get away just like Jesus did. So that's awesome. Appreciate that. 
Well, Ben, um, I asked some of these questions to everybody who's, who's been on the podcast, and it's interesting to see the different responses. But, um, you know, as we kind of start to wrap up here for you um, in where you're at right now, what brings you the most joy? I, I think when you're a dad, um, the, it's, it sounds slightly cliched is <laughs> the, the, the joy you see in your kids. But for me, I, right now, probably the biggest joy I have is seeing the joy in my wife, in the joy of our kids. I, there's, uh, there's something special when I can, where I catch that glimpse where you just, I just see my wife beaming over her Love it. two daughters. Like there's just something about that. Um, I, as a, as a dad of two girls, I am so glad I have girls mm-hmm. now. I didn't know <laughs> I'd say that, but, um, I like being a girl dad now. Uh, but yeah, I, I, so it's not just the joy I see in my kids. It's the joy that I see when my wife is in, in that joyous state around my kids that just there, there's something about seeing that, 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 you know, gets feels going. good. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. I'm i I'm a boy dad, but I see the same thing with uh, Nancy and our three boys. It's just, you know, it's, you get those glimpses and I'm just like, man, what else, what else do you need? It's so good. Um, for you, I know you're, uh, you know, big learner and, you know, book recommendations, uh, maybe something you're reading now that's really meaningful to you, or maybe a book that you give away frequently. Any, any yeah, recommendations? So, so for me, the, the number one book that I give away, uh, to all my students, mostly high schoolers, I, I would have loved someone to give me this book as a 15 year old boy. Uh, not that's just for boys, but I, I think, I think for any athlete, um, there's a book called burn your goals by Joshua Medcalf that, uh, has really shaped me. He's a Christian. Uh, he's very open and upfront about it, uh, right off the bat, but, I always kind of joke, he gets it. He was a college athlete himself. Uh, so I think he understands and he's, and he's a college athlete at an elite level. Uh, I think he, he gets the, the constant push and pull that is in our lives. And then, uh, you know, so I, I think that's the one book that I literally hand <laughs> to more parents, more uh, players where I just go, man, if we live this out, um, what would that mean? What would it mean for us to live on mission and, and to love others? And, and how does that play itself out in different areas of our life? And, you know, again, I look through this lens that is sports, but how does that play itself out as, as a competitor? Um, I, I just think it's a really impactful book for me. And then, like I said, I, I hand it to a lot of parents. Mm. It's an awesome, it's an awesome book. It, it makes sense now why earlier you were mentioning, you know, kept burn your goals and yeah. being less uh, outcome oriented than, you know, standard of living uh, oriented. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a good one. Good, good, uh, good refresh. It's been a while since I've read that, but it, I remember that being really impactful when I read it. Cool. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And for you, any, you mentioned Ephesians, but I was curious, do you have a, a life first or maybe one right now that's really front and center? Yeah. So the one, the one I have really front and center right now is, uh, Philippians four, four through nine. Uh, I, I started this at the beginning of the year. Uh, we do what's called off season training, which is a really fancy word for saying we're doing, um, practices throughout the year for our golf program. Um, 
but we were reading it over our kids every day before practice. And uh, one of the things that uh, I really want to kind of get kind of into with, with my golf team specifically this year is the idea. And if you read through Philippians four, four through nine, it just, it, it's so impactful for, I think any athlete, uh, and I think it speaks really to golf, but, um, a, a joy of rejoicing and, um, but also coming to God with this idea of, um, you know, I'm not perfect. He, I'm going to, I'm going to come with prayer and petition to on, on all things. And then, and then mostly for, for my high school kids to hear is, you know, think on the things that are great in a sense, right? He talks about thinking and, and meditating on, you know, what is lovely, what is admirable. And he goes through this list of things and in how, impactful I think that will be over a course of a year of hearing those words, I, I think really seep into our program um, is, is something that I'm really trying to, to kind of see how that plays out. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, obviously I think God calls us, if God has give, given us competition, I think he calls us to compete at a high level, but um you know, and I know it's a, it's like the athlete verse, right? You run to win the, win the race, but we don't, we run for different purposes. And I think the different purposes just get laid out so well in, in that group of verses that, um, we're going to compete. We're going to fight. We're going to, uh, tee, when we tee it up, we want to win like everybody else. Like we're going to train harder. We're going to do all these things. But at the end of the day, man, we're rejoicing that, that, our Lord is Lord, right? In that, in that we're going to, we're going to meditate and think on just these amazing things that, that are good. We're not going to meditate on the bad or the evil or whatever. And so that's kind of the, the set of verses that, uh, I, have kind of, I've, I've kind of embraced in my own life, I guess, because I'm trying to embrace it and, and, and help our program live that out. But, um, I, I just think it's a really cool set yeah. of verses for people to really um, kind of kind of mull over, right? Like it's not a hey, read through and next week read something. Like if you just read and mull oh, yeah. over those verses, like it's a, it's a it's it, there's so much there, but there's also um, I just think something really special can come out of it. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, what a what a gift to them to to go through that process and have that kind of mindset and mentality and what's what's in you know, captured in those verses is very powerful. So that's, that's really great. Well, for, for those of us, you know, that want to connect with you, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people. Um, how, what's the best way for us to connect with you? Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I joke a little bit. I put my <laughs> cell phone and email out there everywhere. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit of an old, old soul. I, I love, I much rather talk on a phone with someone than, than email, but, okay. uh, from a social media standpoint, uh, I, I kind of live on Instagram at, at pellygolf.com P E L L I G O L F it's predominantly golf stuff. So if you're not a golfer, uh, it probably won't fire you up, but, um, <laughs> I, I try to answer every message that comes my way. Uh, my cell phone's there. There's a link to my website, which is also pellygolf.com. Um, I have a new app that's out for, for those golf enthusiasts. Um, 
that's called awesome. Pelly golf as well. So yeah, I, I, I kind of put everything out there and, okay, and perfect. again, I, I'm, uh, I love, I love talking golf and life with people. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm currently in the fog of a three and in a, in about to be six year old. So, uh, <laughs> I can, I can resonate well with, with those walking through that period of life right now. That's awesome. No, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I look forward to connecting with you more and I'm sure others will as well. Well, Ben, it's been, um, awesome being with you and you know, it's, it's, it's firing up the, uh, kind of like dormant golf, uh, passion that's within me makes me want to get out there and then, uh, and get after it and be a, be better on the, on the course not just, you know, in, in other ways of life too, but it's fun talking, uh, talking golf again. It's the first person on the podcast we've really talked, uh, that has a, a lot of experience on the in your field. So it's been fun connecting and um, I'm sure we'll do it again soon, but would you uh, mind uh, closing us down in a word of prayer? Absolutely. Father God, we, uh, we pray for these group of guys who've decided to uh, be vulnerable. We, we ask that you uh, step into their lives. We pray that this organization and the men uh, that, that walk along with it uh, are filled with you and, and your Holy Spirit is evident in everything they do. We ask, uh, as always, for your forgiveness for those things that we fall short in, but we also ask uh, for the strength to step up in a world right now that, that needs us stepping up. So we ask that all in your son's name. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. What a great guy. So enjoyed having that conversation with Ben. Really fired up a lot of my uh, dormant golf passions. But um, I'm excited to, you know, just kind of unwrap a few of the things that he talked about. One was the importance of taking away the retreats or the podcast and making it your own. We all think differently. We have different ways that, that work for us and different methodologies. And that's, to me, that is one of the major takeaways I had is you're going to hear things and how someone does this or how someone does that. And, you know, not to just do it like how they do it, because that might not work for you. That might not be the most effective thing for you or your um, family dynamic or the way that, that makes sense for you. So apply things individually and know yourself well enough to know uh, how you can interpret things. Second thing was just the power of community uh, coming together. It's so easy for us, especially as we're in this like fuller phase of life with business and kids and just, you know, uh, jam, jam back packed calendars to not make time to retreat like he talked about Jesus doing so intentionally. Uh, it's so important for us to do that and and learn in the context of others. And then I just want to touch on a few things uh, that are coming up with ISI over the next uh, coming weeks and months and uh, the way to stay in tune with all the things that we're doing. First thing is we're offering a free one hour Stay Sharp Saturdays, the first Saturday of each month. We go on from 7.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. So it's enough to get up early and get a great dose of fellowship and encouragement for one hour. Usually the format is about 20 minutes of just kind of sharing, meeting some other people, and then uh, about a 20 to 30 minute devotion. And then we'll talk about it. And just a way to kind of just sharpen the saw throughout and in between some of our in-person retreats. Some other things happening, uh, and this all can be seen at the ISILife.com. If you go onto the website, there are all of the past podcasts and tools from each of the speakers so organized by each of the Fs. So if there's a particular one that you're looking for, uh, that's probably the best way to sort and filter and find one that might be helpful to you. Another thing is some refocusing tools. We've created some 
tools to help you really assess where you are and maybe where you want to go in some of the each of the five F's. So that's all there, free downloads from our site. And also all the dates for the upcoming retreats. We're excited as things are starting to kind of open back up and people are feeling more comfortable meeting in person. All of the upcoming retreats for Cleveland and Columbus and Nashville, uh, both men and women are all on the website. So you can check those out in RSVP and mark those on your calendar. We've also started a weekly devotional uh, written by different um, leaders and members of the ISI community. Uh, this year, our, our theme for 2021 is strong. And so all of the devotions are within that theme. Some great, you know, bite-sized things to help you uh, throughout the weeks and weeks. And then last but not least is on social media. On Instagram, we are at the ISI man and the ISI woman. And that's just some, some daily nuggets there to kind of keep you connected to, to us and what we are doing. So hope that is helpful to you. Until next time, stay sharp, everyone.